and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. Uh, by the way, the trip for this season, we've sold, I think, 22 places on it. There are still about another three or four places available because I think we've gone up to 30, but that includes me and Ollie and Matt Sherry. So uh, there are still a few places left available uh, at the current lower rates as it gets closer. Ticket prices may change, etc. So get in touch with Ben, uh, Ben Mortimer. Touchdown trips on Facebook, Twitter, etc. It's going to be absolutely amazing. We're going to see Texans Colts. We're going to an LSU game. We're going to see Falcons Cowboys at that brand spanking new Atlanta stadium. And we're going to Carolina to see Dolphins at Panthers Monday night football. We've got tailgate experiences planned every game. We've got a Friday night Lights game planned in Baton Rouge. All the big stuff. It's going to be a cracking week or so, 10 days, whatever that works out to be. Uh, Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter. Uh, the other thing we need to let you know, because this has done, uh, this has gone great guns on social media, etc. Um, last year, Neil Reynolds did a, a bookazine in association with NFL UK. Uh, and it's a massive uh, addition. Uh, I'm sure you must have seen him advertising it online, uh, where he does a huge season preview. But last season, people maybe found it a little bit too uh, catering to the, the, the lower end of the market. I can't think of a nice way of putting it. The newer fan and not really giving enough of a balance between the newer fan and the older fan. Well, it wasn't in-depth enough. Yeah, I think that's what people felt. I think people felt it wasn't quite... It was, it was maybe too vanilla. I don't want to say vanilla, because that seems harsh. So what people wanted was cookies and cream with cookie dough. But what they got was just vanilla. Although I love love vanilla. I love vanilla. Uh, So now Neil Reynolds is doing the bookazine in association with Gridiron. Huge uh, pre-season preview. Uh, Unfortunately, Tom Brady's on the cover. I can only apologise for that. But every team broken down, exclusive interviews. uh, And you can get that bookazine as part of a a Gridiron subscription for next year. Uh, Save over £30 overall. You get a a subscription for next year and the bookazine for only £4.50. It runs until July the 7th. Uh, and last year's subscribers need to resubscribe after this year we're gonna have an auto resubscribe feature because we've moved systems or whatever it is so if you want to auto resubscribe you can set that as a setting but this year if you're a current subscriber to gridiron magazine you need to resubscribe in order to get your magazine for next year so it's like the ipl you've got to re you know you didn't have to resubscribe but this year you do have to resubscribe it's like the ipl all the players are going back into the pot and they get re- reallocated. They? Yeah, yeah. Oh, are. nice. Yeah. Well, I'm only uh, on the station that's the home of IPL coverage for the UK. So we've been gone for ages. Uh, and partially that's because there wasn't anything interesting to talk about. And partially that's because we've been insanely busy. Crazy busy. Uh, the London terror attacks um, we covered together, which was a horrible thing to have to do. Uh, but that, because it was overnight, it took a dent into some time that we were going to prepare for to do a podcast, and it affected the following week of podcasting. Your shed, the 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 man cave, what the man it, den. What yeah. is it? A man den? Uh, it's it's the a man bar. den. The it, man den with a flamingo bar at the back. It's officially a bar, it, but Ollie's just been up to see it. The the screen is now up. Oh yeah. The projector goes up today. The surround sound, the speakers are in place, but I need to finish wiring them. Is it uh, wrong? The fridge is in. Is it the wrong? The wine rack I'm building right now. I love that. I love the. Ro- I love a wine rack. Is it wrong that the best thing about the screen is the noise it makes as it goes down? Mm. 
It's really, really satisfying. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. glad you said that because yeah. I feel the same. <laughs> it's, the, yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, so, but the shed has. I've been working crazy hours. You've been working crazy hours. Yep. Been Ollie went away for a little bit. We they've been. We've been. Crazy we went busy. up to uh, Scunthorpe together. We did. We went to Scunthorpe together to see Arcade Fire, which was incredible. Uh, in fact, Ollie is wearing his Everything Now t-shirt, yeah, yeah. literally, as we speak. It's, uh, that was amazing. I loved Arcade Fire. Not so much Scunthorpe. Well, Don't get me wrong, the people seem lovely. They're the most de- self-deprecating people I've ever met. And that's really saying something. Do you remember the, the taxi driver back into town on the final on, yeah, on yeah. The, in the morning who, who said, have you ever... Did you were you born and brought up in Scunthorpe? And he said in his uh, North Lincolnshire drawl, uh, "I tried to get away once, and I, I stayed away. And then I couldn't, I couldn't be away for too long, so I came back. <laughs> he got drawn back in. <laughs> yeah. Every time you think you're up, they just draw you back in. Um, Arcade Fire were incredible. I'm yeah. seeing them again next month. And we're going to Poland. We should do a podcast when we're in Poland. The the podcast. The podcast. Perfect. We'll take the little recorder with us. Yeah. We're going out to the. Uh, open a festival and we're seeing Radiohead and there's some other bands playing do you think it's excessive to go to Manchester to see Radiohead the day after we come back no not at all I don't think I can do it I might but you know tickets go on sale on Saturday well is it because they've moved from the MEN arena to To Old Trafford Cricket Ground the Old Trafford the Cricket Ground Old Trafford and so are they doing I've read that today so they're doing I guess it's a bigger capacity so there are more tickets going on sale Amazing. Yeah. I once saw Radiohead up in Edinburgh at the Edinburgh Cricket Ground once. <laughs> um, around this time, actually, around the, the, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And it's great seeing them. I know we're gonna, we'll be seeing them in a, in a festival area anyway, but seeing them in such a big stadium. Have I seen really them cool. outside more than I've seen them inside? Possibly. If you include under a tent, because I saw them at Victoria Park under a tent, and then in a different Victoria Park... Uh, on a big stage I saw them there as well I saw Dean Richards there <laughs> amazing it's like, what oh, a random spot it's Dean Richards <laughs> brilliant uh, was he wearing a wolf shirt um, no Dean Richards the, um, the 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 rugby coach oh it, I who was I thinking of I don't know Maybe there is a Dean Richards that played football for Wolves, but... Yeah, there was. No, isn't that David Edwards? No, Dean Richards is a footballer who used to play for Wolves who had, like, um, cauliflower ears. So who am I thinking? The mixed, rugby coach? Mixed race guy with cauliflower yeah, yeah, ears. Yeah, 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 I remember. That's really... <laughs> uh, I don't know who you're thinking of. I think his name is Dean Richards. Oh, there you go. Anyway. Interesting tales from the world of Will and Ollie. <laughs> yeah. We've got a great show coming up because we're going to just ping around a bit of news for the next 15, 20 minutes. Then Ollie's got to go to work. But we've also got interviews with Alex Gray. Uh, if you saw the news that there are four new young British stars going to join NFC South teams. Alex Gray's former England Rugby Sevens captain, former under-20s captain. You know, with the British and Irish Lions tour going on right now, he captained the under-20s side, which included Mako Vinopola, Owen Farrell... He kept Billy Vinopola out of that under-20 side. Oh, what, so, so he's a number eight? So he's a number eight. Uh, but he, um, he went and played for the Newcastle Falcons. Yeah. And then Leicester Tigers. Had a few problems with drink, etc. <laughs> Ended up going from playing uh, full rugby to playing sevens for England. Played for sevens for England for a year. And then this opportunity came up. And uh, he is now a member of the Atlanta Falcons practice squad. He's tight end, isn't he? Yeah, he's a tight end. Fascinating. Really interesting chat. So we've got him coming on. Yeah. 
Um, and we're going to be speaking with cornerback of the Denver Broncos, Chris Harris Jr. So two mammoth interviews coming up. Wow. And Simon Clancy did that interview for us. And they talk about Simeon. They talk about that defense. They talk about the impact of not having Wade Phillips there anymore. So loads of great uh, stuff to come up. But shall we crack on and talk about the news? Yeah, there's some. I thought of loads of really good pod topics over like the two and a half weeks we were away for things we could do as like our uh, and finally slash we do and finally at the beginning when we do our little natter. I don't remember any of them now. Brilliant. Why don't you put them on your Samsung notes? <laughs> oh, Ollie got a Samsung S8 because I had one because basically we're we're so much like the uh, characters <laughs> from Master of None that we uh, we need to... iPhone and I are dead. I, I can't be asked with iPhone anymore. It's small amount of data. Uh, it's just annoying. iPhone, you're dead to me. I've moved on. This is this is delightful. I'm really pleased with this. Yeah. What we are going to avoid is stories about people going to and not going to mandatory mini camps, OTAs, because I don't care. Genuinely, uh, like at this point in the season, unless it's a proper full-on holdout, and you saw what happened with. Odell Beckham, where it wasn't a full-on holdout, and then when he went back to training, he just he tweeted like a thing that said, "I'm back," and it became like ESPN headline news. It means nothing at this yeah. point. Everybody, surely everybody realised he's just having a bit of time off. It's not you don't have to go back if you don't want to. But we aren't going. To, there are a few bits of information, few bits of news that we've um, that we have uh, picked up on over the last couple of weeks. So we can get to a few of those. And Ollie decided that uh, rather than you know going through uh, a news website and remembering what we didn't talk about and did talk about, we're just going to re- try and remember the things that mattered to us. And Ollie's written them down on his phone. Well, I didn't really get the chance because you kept nagging at me to um, <laughs> uh, to get the headphones out. But one of them um, being the the. F- the truck sale? No, it's not really that. The, the kind fire of sale. the fire sale of the dumpster fire of, that is the New York Jets. So somebody tweeted asking us. I'm going to say somebody. It's going to be Mainzy tweeted us asking. Jets are twenty to one to go zero and sixteen. Is that worth a punt? I think it is worth a punt. I think the Browns proved to us that it's very difficult to go zero and sixteen. But but. Hugh Jackson's better coach than Todd Bowles. Um, yes. I like Todd Bowles. I, I don't know. I like Todd Bowles more than others, but I think he's not been put in a great situation from a personnel perspective. And the fact that now he's been put in a really bad situation from a personnel perspective. Mm. So who's gone? So uh, Harris has gone from the linebacking core. Eric Decker. 11 years he was there. 11 years. We, we interviewed him when he came over yeah. with the Jets and he was delightful. Very intelligent as well and a real mainstay in that defence. And I'm really disappointed for him that he's he's the kind of player you can imagine being a one-team player. Yeah. Eric Decker's gone. Well, three years Decker was there. He was injured. They had to wait for him to get fit again before they could release him. He spent a lot of time injured, Decker. Look. I, but he had something else, something different as with a- that length and, and, and being a red zone target, and especially with Brandon Marshall leaving as well. I think it's... Is it silly to let him go? I don't know. The, the, what What's going on with the Jets is very, very strange. As somebody who supports a terrible team in the NFL... Oh, would you take Decker? an improving team. Uh, firstly, I would take Eric Decker. I think Eric Decker would fit into Carl Shanahan's yeah. uh, system like a dream. Yeah. Like, that is the ideal... Co- Pairing him with Pierre Garçon is like... It's two of the 
most efficient, least sexy receivers in the NFL. Pierre Garçon, like, whilst the money was silly for him, he is one of the most effective route runners, or route runners, sorry, in the NFL. And Eric Decker, I think, would match up really mm. well on the other side for him. Yeah, absolutely. I'd take Decker in a heartbeat. Um, if we think we're going to do well in the next two years, you have to think that he's not really a rebuilding piece. He's a... Stopgap piece. Uh, yeah, I mean, more than a stopgap. I think he can be a win-now piece for teams that already have a, a number one, number two. A bit like Brandon Marshall in New York, to an extent, going to the Giants. They've got... They're sorted at number one. Mm. They wanted a big body guy who can be a red zone threat, etc. And so I, I, I really like the idea of Decker. But my point was being that I wanted to thank the New York Jets and... Todd Bowles and McLagan and all of them for making their team more of a laughing stock than mine. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather like having to be able to pick number one next year and get Sam Darnold? Yes and no. I think the the fact is is that we got so we were like this last year. Um, about uh, <laughs> I've forgotten the last this last draft already um, who went in this draft so we had Pat Mahomes Trubitsky Trubitsky uh, Watson so Deshaun yeah Deshaun Watson in fact after the, his performance in the national final we were talking about Deshaun Watson as a de facto number one and I know we're talking about Sam Darnold in different terms that we're talking about Sam Darnold being a generational talent an Andrew Luck type talent but there are already people who are looking at other guys coming out and saying, well, yeah, but they could take him over with a good year this year. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'd rather, I think we're actually a little bit ahead of the tanking position, although I do think we need a quarterback and I'm still convinced that Cousins is, is the man. But as we know with the draft, people move up and down all over the shop. So, you know. And what I like is that we've talked about the 49ers more than we have the Jets during our conversation about the Jets. So, well done us. Chris Saunders actually tweeted us at Dopey Chris asking, what's the best case scenario this season for Browns, 49ers and Jets? Best case scenario for Jets is to go 1-15 so they don't embarrass themselves by being an 0-16 team, yeah. but they get the number one overall pick. Um, I th- wow, that is such a low bar for best case scenario. But the, but the best case scenario is in that's what they clearly seem to want. Yeah. The best case scenario based on their roster is four wins. I think that's a stretch. I and, think three wins max. And and who wants that? Who wants to be like picking fourth overall in a year where there's two quarterbacks and they really want one of those two? Yeah, exactly. The Browns, their best case scenario, I would say, is six wins. I think the Browns can be um, an eight win team this year. If everything falls right, I, 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 we'd have to look at the their, Garrett effect. You'd have to look at their schedule, um, but I think that their defense is much improved. Or oh, they start tough. Steelers at Ravens at Colts to kick off. Yeah, maybe six wins is more realistic because that's zero and three straight off the bat. Bears. They play the Bengals twice. Don't know what they're going to write. Yeah, I, I still think that there's potential for that team to improve more than we're expecting, but. Um, and then the 49ers, kind of similar area, five-win team, something like that. What were Four, you last year? team. Uh, Is it three? three? Yeah, so you've got to... Imp- no, two. We were a two-win you've team. You've got to improve imp- at least twice. four. Five. Yeah, five is... Yeah, okay. It's a great question, that. I yeah. like that. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't your question. What, <laughs> yeah, but I was saying thanks, buddy, to, <laughs> oh, right, okay. uh, to at Dopey Chris, okay. K-R-I-S. You're dope. He spelt it K-R-I-S, but then his name is Christopher. Which confuses me. Well, maybe... He spelled his name like Chris Christofferson, but... Yeah, but maybe Dopey Chris with C-H-R-I-S was gone. And maybe the K-R is part of the dopiness. Okay, great point. Great point. Thanks, buddy. Can't argue uh, that. What's next on your news that we remembered that we were going to talk about because everything else 
It's gone by the wayside at this point. Bit of Ravens news. Uh, don't don't <laughs> mimic what other podcasts do. Do they do that? Yeah, that's a whole thing on the Around the NFL podcast. Yeah, I haven't been listening to that much recently. Ah, uh, they do this inside the Ravens nest thing because they got so many complaints from Ravens fans that they never talk about them. That oh. They now talk about them loads and have a bird effect. Okay, well, there's no Ravens news. I, I love that you didn't know that, <laughs> but still did the noise that was incredibly similar to the sound drop that they used. Amazing. Okay, uh, Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin. Has, Jeremy Macklin has signed two-year deal uh, after releasing Dennis Pitterbread. Yeah, the, so the situation, I mean, Dennis Pitter has had lots of yeah. injury issues and um, I, I can only imagine that that's the, that's the kind of issue because that's not a position they're strong at. And for a team who, I mean, they had the worst pass run balance in the league last year in favour of pass, despite the fact that they've got an interior line with Marshall Yonder in particular who are set up for the run and... They never went out and got a running back. They're now first choice tight end. Tight ends are friend of the show, Crockett Gilmore and Ben Watson, who is that ancient guy who they got off New Orleans. Old man Watson. Um, Old man Ben. They've no, their running backs are a who's who of who. And except for Danny Woodhead, who I love as a third down back and actually yeah. think is underrated beyond that. It's just a weird offense. But, but isn't Danny Woodhead still feeding off of the a, a good year maybe three years ago I uh, know I, I really like really? Uh yeah I'm a big big fan um, I think that he runs inside much better than people rate I think he's got the best hands maybe of any running back in the league beyond Le'Veon Bell David Johnson's probably up there as well but that's yeah. the kind of lofty territory we're talking about in terms of his catching ability um, what I do like about this is that uh, we are told quite regularly by Ravens fans that we must trust Ozzie Newsom. We believe in Ozzie, mm. trust Ozzie, all of that. They have always, always been terrible at drafting wide receivers. Like, they have drafted some terrible ones. Well, Prashant Perryman hasn't worked out. Um, we saw flashes of it last year. A couple of big catches, a couple of big touchdowns. But apart from that, there was the injury issues that he had. Um, yeah, he hasn't worked out in any way. And it says a lot that their two best wide receivers, now that Macklin is there, is Macklin and uh, Mike Wallace. I, I The thing is, I actually I, I like Macklin a lot. And I, th I think you'll see Macklin offering more now than he did at Kansas City because uh, he wasn't the kind of receiver who necessarily works in that system with Alex Smith anyway. Um, I think he fits in well there, but I just don't know... Who else is there to catch passes? They're relying on one of those guys. Yeah. I like Mike Wallace had a good year last year. Yeah, Actually, Mike Wallace and Jeremy Macklin had pretty similar numbers. You've got two probably decent number two receivers there, but no standout number one, and that could be an issue for them. The, the whole offense could be an issue. Um, yeah, I, I'm concerned for the Ravens. Especially with Flacco hasn't really kicked on for, since that Super Bowl as well. No. But then you could say that Flacco hasn't had the weapons to throw to since that Super Bowl. So Yes. You know, uh, another piece of news. Tom Coughlin told Rich Eisen that um, Blake Bortles' mechanics are on the way to being fixed. That's not news. I don't but want to talk about why it. Why not? It's not until I see it. Until I see it with my own eyes, I'm not getting involved. Okay. Uh, Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler. What about him? Well, he's backing himself. We've, we actually have uh, Brock Osweiler speaking. Oh, okay. Go on. I want to be the starter of this team. What? <laughs> no. What is that? That's Brock Osweiler. 
Why have you done a ridiculous German accent? Well, his name's Brock Osweiler. Uh, my fundamental slipped last season. Some poor throws, some poor decision makings. I can't. This is. <laughs> That's Brock Osweiler. This is one of the worst things you've ever done. Sorry, I'll I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Although I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I should. We've gone uh, back to the Browns. That's Brock, amazing. Brock Osweiler. I wonder what the chances are of the Browns starting with Brock Osweiler. Yeah, Brock Osweiler <laughs> will start for the Browns. <laughs> I believe in you, Brock. No one believes in Brock. Maybe the Browns have a really big German contingent, and that could happen. Yeah, big, yeah. big fan base. Yeah. Big fan base. Uh, come on, what else, Ollie? Um, let's see. D'Angelo Hall, uh, Washington defensive you mean, defensive you back. You mean future Hall of Famer D'Angelo Hall? Future Hall of Famer, friend <laughs> of the show, uh, D'Angelo he, Hall. He's he, he's taken a pay cut. He did tell us. I thought he was just cut. No, he's taken a pay cut. Oh, I thought he was cut when I read that story the other day. No, he's taken a pay cut. <laughs> uh, to, so he can really prove his Hall of Fame credentials. Yeah. He definitely did oversell that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But there we go. Oh, Eric Decker's visited with the Titans. That's a good fit. That's a really good fit. That's annoyingly good. Isn't he a bit Richard Matthews-y? No, no. I think, no? I think he's uh, a level above that. Yeah. And fits their system again. Jason Peters signs a contract extension. That's a good move. I'm just reading down the news now. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's how it works. Um, what <laughs> there, there's beast mode is starting to rub off on Derek Carr. I mean, if you didn't know what the NFL, if you weren't familiar with who those people are, and you read that as a sentence, you'd assume you were reading some kind of bizarre fan fiction for some fantasy novel. I don't like it. Yeah, me either. Um, I don't care about it. Why, are, why haven't you talked about the one piece of news that you so desperately wanted to talk about today? Apparently, beast mode, uh, Marshawn Lynch jersey, 24 Oakland Raiders, not to be the Oakland Raiders for, for long, is now the highest selling jersey in the NFL. I don't think that's a huge surprise. Well, new player going back to Oakland. Yeah. The Oakland fans love all of that stuff. So, yeah. This is hometown. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Amazing. What was the other bit? Why haven't you talked about the Julian Edelman contract extension? Oh, yeah, completely forgot about that. (laughs) Uh, 11 years, 7 million, 11 11 years, 2 years, 11 million guaranteed, 11 11 million pound, million dollar. I'm on fire today. It's a two-year contract, 11 million dollars, 7 million guaranteed with a 5 million signing on bonus. Incredible. It's actually 9 million in guarantees. Yeah, 9 9 million. I was doing pounds there still. Um, (laughs) So this proves that he's, he's been rewarded for being a stellar player for the last four years. I think I read somewhere that only... Oh, is it Julio Jones uh, and two other wide receivers <laughs> were ahead of him in terms of um, pass, passes uh, caught per per game. Um, Great. So, he, but he doesn't. He's worth it. Hasn't. But the yardage and touchdown numbers don't even come close to comparing. No, but what he does it. elsewhere and for the team proves, and and we saw it in that Super Bowl. Incrediblement deserves that kind of deal. Right. I like Julian Edelman. In fact, I like Julian Edelman a lot. Enough to apologise to me? No, because I still wouldn't take him as a top 10 receiver 
if I'm working outside of the Patriot system, which was always my original point on this. If you weren't listening to the podcast back when I first said that I don't, wouldn't call him a top 10 receiver. I never listened to you. I, the, the, what, what really intrigues me about this move is the Patriots are, and what makes me think that maybe there may be, might be a slight recourse for me to apologise, but it's not happening, <laughs> is that this is a very un-Patriots move. Patriots don't keep around older players at positions of strength who it, who are they they are the great team of cutting somebody a year too early instead of a year too late. They uh, Bill Belichick is very good at reading that talent, knowing when to make that decision, not being sentimental and not letting big contracts weigh down his roster. Fergie-esque. Yeah, absolutely. That's what that's one of the reasons why there's that great comparison other than the longevity and all the titles and everything else. What confuses me about it is that they've brought in Brandon Cooks this off-season. Malcolm Mitchell was a, a real revelation towards the end of last season. Chris Hogan is great. Danny Amendola is decent. Andrew Hawkins has now come in as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I doubt he even makes the roster at this point with everyone yeah. else there. If they're expecting Rob Gronkowski to be fit and play 16 games and to have Dwayne Allen in there in the two tight end sets as well, what you're going to see is they've paid Edelman based on his production for the last two years. But he's not going to have that same production he's in gonna the next two He's going to come nowhere years. near to having that production in the next two years if those people stay healthy and on the field. And so it feels like a legacy contract rather than a... Which is not a very patriotsy thing. I mean, it may be that that's not the case. It may be that they do actually use him as much as they have done and everyone else just gets the scraps off the table to feed from. And he does seem to have this unbelievable connection with Tom Brady. Yeah. Which, again, comes down to my previous point. It's about where he's playing that's made him so good. I think he's a good receiver, a great receiver even. Do I think he's a Hall of Fame level receiver? No. I do think there are at least three or four of those playing in the NFL right now. That would be a really good topic for a pod. Let's next podcast. And actually, write this in your Samsung notes. Let's do a current players we expect to go to the Hall of Fame podcast. Oh, yeah, that's nice. We'll get a guest on it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, and, and what I mean by that is not just Rob Gronkowski who there's an argument that he'll go down as the greatest tight end of all time unless... I think if his career stops right now, then there are probably a couple of people who might be ahead of him on the list. He'd definitely be a Hall of Famer, especially after they put sent TD to the Hall of Fame because you just need that, that small body of work where you're the absolute best for three or four years and that gets you in now. So I, I think he's, he's in already, but... He's got an argument to the best of all time. Anyway, I, we, I, talking, what I said was I didn't want to do this. What I'm saying is I'm not talking about Tom Brady. I'm not talking about Rob Gronkowski. I mean, D'Angelo we, Hall. We, <laughs> D'Angelo Hall. We know those players are going so to the So we're going to predict fame. players now, like maybe Le'Veon Bell. And not just younger players. We can do some older players who might be borderline. Let's, we'll, let's, we'll have a think about it. But yeah, current NFL players like go Joe to the Thomas. Hall of Fame. Ooh, I think Joe Thomas goes to the Hall of Fame. There you go. Joe Staley's an interesting one. Oh. If we're talking left tackles. We do love to talk left tackles. I do love tackle talk. Yeah. Hashtag tackle talk. I'll put that in there, tackle talk. <laughs> no, I won't put that in there. <laughs> See, we're planning the next pod already. And um, on the next podcast, we're going to talk to your new best mate, Phoebe Schechter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let, yeah, let's talk to her. If you've not read this story, in fact, I think this is another thing. We should do something about females in the NFL because uh, we spoke with, at the Super Bowl, uh, Dr. Jen Welter, who was uh, the first ever coach, female coach in the NFL. 
uh, employed by Bruce Arians Love at, Bruce. At, the, uh, at the Arizona Cardinals. So we had a really interesting 15, 20-minute long conversation with her. Nat Coombs was there as well, um, going into some depth about the chances she was afforded, what doors it's opened since, how more women can get involved in the NFL. And then if you've not seen the story about Phoebe Schechter, she's the captain of the Great Britain women's team. Great Britain Lions, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was the Lions, but I didn't want she's to She's also captain of the Birmingham Lions, or the Starbridge, no, yeah, Starbridge Lions. She also coaches and plays for the men's team. Uh, and is the captain of the England Kabaddi team. She plays Kabaddi? Kabaddi. I genuinely have never met anyone that plays Kabaddi. I'm obsessed with that sport because I have no idea how it works, even though I've watched it for like two solid hours. There's two different versions, but the one I've seen on Sky Sports is a bit like British Bulldog, where you have to go into into the area without being brought to the ground like in a rugby tackle then you've got to touch someone or as many people as you can and then escape back to your area and if you make it back those people are eliminated and they they count as points if you make it back you go kabaddi yeah I don't know um, apparently I'm not sure whether you still have to hold your breath and say kabaddi under your breath <laughs> that was the, that was like the, the urban legend yeah, I think it's something. Like, we'll find out. From, so we're going to get Phoebe Schechter on because Phoebe Schechter, as well as being all those things, has signed a contract with the Buffalo Bills to go in there and do some coaching there as part of a, a new program. So we'll do a little women in the NFL and we'll do a little bit current Hall of Famers. So that's going to be on the next show. Yeah. Um, Ollie, we'll, we'll finish out with our couple of interviews. We'll Let's do, do that. So uh, we've talked some Denver Broncos this offseason already and we heard from Shane Ray. Um, I loved Shane Ray. I, I'm really keen on what Shane Ray could do this season. I mean, DeMarcus Ware, what a great person to learn under. Yeah. Von Miller, what a great person to learn opposite. He's now going to be taking all of those extra snaps. I'm excited about Shane Ray yeah. this season. I think he could be a real breakout star for 2017. Um, so we're going to hear Let's from... breakout star pod. <laughs> <laughs> so coming up, we're going to hear from Alex Gray, uh, the new Atlanta Falcon. Um, that interview was done for Talk Sport, so... Just so you know, it might be maybe a little bit more layman's than some of the interviews we do, but still pretty interesting. I think really fascinating. But first, let's hear Simon Clancy speaking with top cornerback from the Denver Broncos, Chris Harris Jr. How, how's OTAs at the moment? How are you getting on? Oh, man, they're going good, man. I like the way the team's looking uh, during OTAs, the competition and... I think a lot of people are sleeping on us, man, so I'm excited. <laughs> How can you sleep on a team with a defense as good as yours? Because uh, they don't think our offense is going to be up to that same caliber, but I think uh, with the new coaches that we got brought in, Mike McCoy, our new offensive coordinator, uh, the O-line pieces that we added, man, I think we're going to be uh, pretty good on offense. Now, I must admit, I'm a, um, uh, I'm a lifelong Dolphins fan. I've been a, th- a Dolphins fan for 33 years for my sins. How's, yeah. how's, how's Vance Joseph working out? Because obviously he was our defensive coordinator last yeah. year. Oh, man, he's doing great, man. I think he's definitely got the attention of the team. Um, he's just a great leader of men, man. I think uh, guys definitely follow him, and he just knows how to have a way to uh, get the best out of a lot of players. And are you sticking with that Wade Phillips defense? Because obviously his defensive system is very different to, to the system that you guys have played for the last few years. We actually are. We're keeping a lot of it, and we're adding his. So we okay. uh, kind of, kind of put them, mix them together, and uh, I'm kind of uh, glad we did because now it allows me to really um, blitz. It allows me to um, to play a little bit more free. With Wade's system, I was more just straight covering, yeah, straight cover corner, and I didn't get to blitz as much. So uh, Wade, uh, Joseph, he's he's kind of 
what's the what's the word I'm trying to activate me. He's kind of okay. activating me. <laughs> he's, he's unleashing the beast, is he? So you're going to be that, are you going to sort of blitz off the edge a bit, uh, I suppose a bit like Tyran Matthew in Arizona, sort of blitzing off the nickel there and, and trying to get to the quarterback? Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. And how is that quarterback battle looking with, with Trevor Simeon and, and Paxton Lynch? How's, how's that shaping up in OTAs? Oh, man, it's, it's going to be a long battle, man. I think the battle will go up until the preseason and uh, just because Paxton's raised his game so much. And uh, Trevor continues to be consistent every day and uh, – and uh, continue to improve from last year what he's done, but uh, Paxton's raised his game up too, so it's going to be a fun uh, battle. I bet. Listen, I want to dial it back to high school and uh, for yourself and playing at Bixby. What what were your aspirations as an athlete? Yeah. Did you did you think that Division One college football was a possibility, a probability? How did you how did you think about it when you were back in Bixby? At the time, I actually thought I was going to play basketball, man. I, um, uh, that was like my number one sport, and uh, and then my I got to my senior year. Uh, my coach was like, "Man, you're getting so much more interest in football. You might want to just stick with that." And I finally I got only got one offer by Kansas. No school in Oklahoma wanted me, and I just uh, took that offer. Bill Young, who was the the Kansas defensive coordinator, helped recruit you, didn't he? He actually saw you playing basketball, yeah. didn't he? How, do you remember meeting him? And do you remember yeah. that process? Oh yeah, uh, he came. He actually came, and I was in. It was during basketball season. And he just came to watch me practice, and I guess he saw how I was moving on the court, and he said how it could translate to me playing football, and he liked the way I moved. They offered me like the next day after he seen me, and shoot, man, I always thank Bill Young for that because he's kind of the first person that really saw something in me. He was a bit worried though, wasn't he? Cause I spoke to him. He thought for a little while that you might be heading to Tulsa. How, how close did that come, or was it Kansas all the way for you? No, uh, it was really all the way to Kansas because I was already mad because I thought I figured Tulsa <laughs> should have been the first school to offer me. So uh, I don't think they had anything to worry about. Um, just after Kansas offered me, then they finally realized, like, man, we should have been offering him. Your mum was a pretty good athlete, wasn't she? That That's kind of how it all came about for you in terms of that athletic ability that you have. Your your mum certainly, yeah. certainly passed it down genetically. Is that right? Oh, yeah. She was a um, star basketball and uh, softball, so... She kind of put me in sports at an early age. I think I was playing tackle football at the age of five. Wow. So she, so she had me playing football and basketball at an early age. And um, along with my uncles, man, my uncles were great athletes. And um, I think that's what kind of led me to uh, to play sports. It's fairly remarkable to think that one of the top three or top five corners in the NFL currently had only two scholarship offers from, from major schools. That's a pretty as- astonishing yeah. fact, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. And Especially with what I was doing at my school and the accolades I had in high school, uh, I could never understand it. But now that I'm in the league and doing what I'm doing now, just to, uh, to have that story, man, I think God wanted me to have a, a story to be able to to impact younger guys that are coming in the league in my situation that have aspirations of being all-pro or a pro to uh, show them that they can do it just like I did it. Can I jump forward to your last year at Kansas? Did you expect, as you entered your senior season, did you expect that the combine and the draft would happen naturally, that you'd be invited to Indianapolis and then selected at some stage in the draft? Was that how you saw that year playing out for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because uh, I, I pretty much started um, almost every college game in my career, so in the Big 12. So I figured that my resume would be uh, good enough to be able to have an opportunity to go to the combine, but uh, I didn't, and... I didn't even get invited to any all-star games. So it was just uh, it was a tough situation for me, also with the lockout that we had, to really uh, have faith in myself that I could make it. 
how disappointing was that that snub for the combine? Because as a senior yeah. athlete and somebody that was playing a you know a good school in Kansas, you must have thought that you were going to be one of those sort of three hundred plus guys that would be invited to Indianapolis. Yeah. How how badly did you take the news? Oh man, it, it, I was definitely upset, sick, uh, especially because we had guys the previous year go to the combine. My previous teammates and they had similar resumes as me. Um, and I figured that uh, I would have a chance. But unfortunately, we didn't have great team success my senior year. And I think that's what really killed me. Did you panic at that stage? Was there a sort of a, a sense of, oh, God, you know, I'm not going to get the opportunity to perform for the scouts and for the GMs? Or, or did it make you kind of doubly determined to make sure that you were drafted? Where were your emotions at that point? Oh, yeah, at that time, man, I was just pretty much focused on school at that time. I was like, man, if I... Since I didn't get no opportunity here, I'm just going to stay here in Kansas and continue to work out and uh, get my degree. And, and that's what I kind of focus on, just um, preparing for the pro day, making sure I killed the pro day, and then making sure I graduated. And that was the number one uh, key for me. What was draft weekend like for you? It must have been a doubly disappointing moment in your oh, life. Yeah. Oh, the draft, man. It, oh, that definitely sucked. Uh, I had all my family over, and we had big cookouts and um, things like that, but... Just seeing all the guys that went before me, man. A lot of guys that didn't have half my resume or or did um, did anything compared to what I had accomplished in college, get drafted, and uh, I think that just really motivated me. And uh, did it make you angry, or did it make you really, really yearn to to get out there and show people? Oh man, it made me angry. Man. <laughs> I bet. Why? How how could I not uh, be chosen? No, why nobody would want me. But um, just not having that lo- having that lockout really hurt. Uh, just because. Most guys who go undrafted, they they get picked up the next day after the draft or the same day at the after the last round. And um and me, I had to wait all the way up until July to be able to figure out what team I was going to. So that whole time, man, I had to uh, continue to have faith and faith in my agent Fred Lyles that that I was going to have an opportunity to go and uh, just compete somewhere. Were Denver the first team to call? Were they the only team to call? Were you? Did you have calls from other teams, yeah. Tennessee's or Dallas's or Miami's, or how did that play out? Denver was actually the only team that offered me, man. Wow. I, uh, they offered, I, I got the last signing bonus, which my the lowest too was two thousand uh, dollars. That was my signing bonus, and the first thing I did was just buy a PS4, and I just saved the rest. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get rich on two thousand dollars, Chris. Are you? I mean, let's be fair. Uh, <laughs> how how hard was it to make the team? I mean, coming in as an undrafted free agent, as a as a guy who had a chip on his shoulder, a guy that signed a two thousand dollar contract, you know, and you had players like Champ Bailey on that team. How difficult yeah. did you see that process in terms of getting on that team, and then going through training camp and going through the preseason and thinking, finding out you'd made it? What was that? Talk me through that process. What was that like for you? Yeah. Oh man, it was hard, man. When I got there, we had twelve corners and. Every day they put up the depth chart, and I was number 12, regardless of how I played. And I was just, me and Vaughn, I would just talk to Vaughn every day because, I mean, we were the only guys coming in from the Big 12. So I was already automatically close with him. Is that, man, I'm 12th every day. So I just knew I had to make the team on special teams. And I just made sure that uh, I was the best special teams player on the team that preseason and led the team in tackles. And and that's really the, really the main reason I made the team is because I was such a – uh, dominate on special teams. Can, uh, how important was, was Champ Bailey in your in your development? Oh, Champ was huge, man. To be able to um, be able to learn from one of the greatest corners of all time, and to see his technique and the way he worked every day was huge. Uh, and also, man, he was a great friend to me, man. Most guys, 
they don't they wouldn't want a young rookie to come in there, especially when he's at the end of his career, to be as good as I was. And Champ realized that he needed me to uh, to be able to win, so he he tried to prepare me as and teach me the game and uh, to get me close to his level. And uh, I really did thank him for that. Can you remember your first tackle? Man, I remember my first time actually like getting some. The first time they put me on defense was we're playing the uh, the Packers. We were getting blown out, so Coach Fox was like, hey, man, just throw him in there. Let's see what he can do. And the first play, Aaron Rodgers came right at me, and he had uh, Greg Jennings, and I was able to get a tackle for loss on that play. And uh, from there on, uh, they kept me on the field. Greg Jennings only caught a, you know, the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Not, not a bad way to start your career, huh? Yeah. I mean, going against Aaron Rodgers at that yeah. time, they had Charles Woodson, too. Uh, I'm not sure how far they got in the playoffs that year or if they won it that year, but I think they were a great team at that time. Absolutely. I watched back your very first career NFL interception today. I, I've got all the details here. The, can you remember, yeah. A, who the quarterback was? Can you remember what the play was? Can you remember how it happened? And can you remember what happened during your celebration? Man, I think uh, we were playing the Raiders. You were? And I picked off uh, Carson Palmer. Yep. It was a defense to where I go, I go back to safety. And um, at that time, they're using me everywhere, safety, corner, nickel. So they put me back at safety on that play. And uh, I was able to just come up and pick the ball. And uh, on my celebration, I think I tripped and fell. You I did. So <laughs> <laughs> you fell over. It was third and 11. Yeah. They, had a, they had a four receiver set, and you were in off coverage in the slot. But just at the snap, you yeah. sort of dropped into a kind of safety in a cover three. And the ball was overthrown yeah. and tipped in the air by Daenerys Moore. And you just caught it and yeah. probably ran it back five or six yards and then you sort of didn't know where to celebrate and you got really excited and then you fell over it was it was very funny to yeah. watch but it must have been an amazing moment for you man it was man and it, i remember a guy just laughing at me for about a week man. they made <laughs> tons of what do you call those gifs uh where you just they keep showing you falling down man so everybody had a pretty good laugh at it but man uh i was just too excited looking back on your career so far you know two-time All-Pro, as I said earlier, one of the sort of five, six best corners in the NFL at the moment. Does your experience coming into the league, i.e. undrafted, snubbed in the combine, had to really work as the 12th corner with a $2,000 signing bonus, did it make you work harder to prove a point? Or was it just something that happened naturally yeah. and that actually you look back now and you think, what happened to me at draft, it didn't have any effect on me, I just knew I had this talent all the way through? Uh, I knew I had the talent and I was already a hard worker. It was just uh, getting that opportunity and... Uh I knew once I got that opportunity, I couldn't make mistakes. Uh, when you come in as an undrafted, uh, your mistakes are limited, and and I knew I had to be very smart. I couldn't have mental errors, and uh, that's something that I just focus on, man. I try to be the smartest person on the field. My final three questions are sort of a, a kind of a quiz, really. I suppose uh, the first one is who who are your sort of toughest matchups at receiver? Who who are the players you you really love going up against because you know they're going to be as good as it gets because I assume you want to match yourself against the best player so who who gives you the hardest time oh, yeah. who are the receivers that you know you really admire in terms of th that talent across the NFL oh man um, I would say uh, Brown man, he's, he's such a dynamic receiver Amari um, uh, Cooper for the Raiders okay yeah he's a very very good route runner isn't he oh man he has great I think he has the best work in the league uh, when it comes to getting off the jam getting off the press and uh um, I think that's where he really stands out. Um, also, um, Julio Jones, uh, just a, he's just a physical specimen, and he has the, uh, the speed and the strength uh, to be the best receiver every year. So um, 
I would say those three guys are uh, definitely the guys that uh, bring the best out of me. What about the best cornerbacks? Who do you think are the best? And you can't pick Aqib Talib or, or Bradley Roby. Who who are the best corners that you yeah. see around the league that you think, okay, they are as good as it gets? Uh, other than myself? Uh, other than say, yourself. Uh, Sherman, I would continue to put him up there. He can, the consistency level, I would, that's why I would put him up there, uh, being great for so long. Uh, same with Patrick Peterson. Who else do I admire my game after? Uh, I like... Um, that's a good question. I like um, Jason Verrett. Oh, okay, the San Diego corner. Yeah. 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 Uh, and my final question, who do you like? Uh, I, I assume, although I, I may be wrong, that, you, that you're a fan of football yeah. generally. Who, who do you like watching, perhaps, that you don't play against? But is there a, I don't know, you talked about Aaron Rodgers, but do you, is there a Jarvis yeah. Landry or is there a, you know, who, who are the players around the league that, you, you, you know, you might watch on a Sunday either when you get in from playing your own game and the late game's on or you, you, you're you on a bye week that you think he's a hell of a player? Yeah. Oh, man, I enjoy watching um, uh, the Cowboys, man. I think I grew up watching them. Uh, I grew up a fan. I think it was because when Dion, Dion went there, man, he just kind of made everybody a fan. He's special. But, uh, yeah. But I think uh, I like watching Ezekiel Elliott, man. I think he's a a great running back in this league, and uh, he definitely was exciting to watch last year. I guess we start off with uh, the moment that you made the decision to to take the leap, and the factors that came into that. Because uh, I know a little bit about this story, but I imagine a lot of people who are listening won't do. When did that decision in your mind happen for you to take this chance? Uh, it was probably all the way back in um, January, so I kind of. I mean, it'd be a, it was a long process building up to the actual moment of, of, of really deciding to do it. So I was made aware of an opportunity to, you know, that, that was that had become present for me. Um, and because of, you know, the summer I'd had, missing out on the Olympics and, and all that type of stuff. And I just, the position I was in rugby-wise, I just felt like I wanted, I needed more of a challenge than I was getting at the minute. Um, and, you know, what a hell of a challenge this has been for me. And, and that's, you know, fast forward four or five months and here I am. It's interesting because you're one of um, one of a number of British players of various sports who are, who are getting the opportunity in the NFL on practice teams. Uh, what? Um, how, just talk to us a, bit, a little bit about that process because there is this camp that NFL UK and, and the NFL have put together to try and encourage these opportunities for European sportsmen. Yeah, so I think what they what they want to do is they want to create an opportunity for um, athletes and sportsmen who are maybe up to the task of playing in you know what is a very competitive league, the NFL. Because I think previously, you know, the youth the youth that are coming from Britain and Europe probably may may be in love with the sport of American football, but have, probably see no route for themselves to get there. Um, so you know, from the NFL's point of view, this is kind of opening the door for, for all those people um, and and also you know for sportsmen like myself who want that want that challenge um, there's a you know there's a, a, a route there for, for someone like me to go down so I mean at the time you were still playing rugby you were uh, playing with Yorkshire Carnegie and then this NFL's international player pathway you said you became aware of that opportunity so uh, how what's the process to get from there to this point where you're signed by the Atlanta Falcons on the practice squad uh, so it was quite a, quite a long and painful process, to, to be honest with you, obviously. And the decision came. It was a huge decision for me to, to chase it because, you know, I really I really loved being at Yorkshire. Um, you know, I liked the, I loved the boys. I loved the area. It's very close to home for me, so that was good. But, you know, ultimately, I, I, wanted, a, I wanted a huge challenge that I could sink my teeth into, and, and this, that happened. So, you know, I, as I said, I was made aware of this opportunity, um, and I took it. 
And, and the next thing you know, I'm on a plane to Florida to start a kind of three-month intensive um, American football course and learning the game, you know, getting, you know, getting up to scratch with it to, to try and get myself into a position to, to be good enough almost to, to be worth a spot on the team. Because I was, I was told very early that, you know, if you, don't, if you, if you aren't showing enough or you, you probably don't meet the standard that they're after, that they require that, you know, this opportunity to go into a team wouldn't be there for me. Uh, so it was kind of a back-against-the-wall back situation, which, you know, ultimately I wanted, but at the same time was, you know, a little bit daunting. I mean, Alex, you're a guy 6'6", 18 stone, quick over 60 yards, quick over 100 metres, you know, every, every measurable is there for you to be successful in, in probably most sports, to be fair. But as we saw with Lawrence Okoye when he went from the Olympics and from rugby himself into playing for the 49ers, it's one of the most complicated sports in the world. There's, particularly when you're playing as you will be uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, you have to learn this playbook, which is as thick as an old style yellow pages. You have to learn how, how the offense runs. And so how much knowledge and experience did you have of the NFL before you went out to Florida? Um, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, all the learning I'd ever had or experience I've had from, um, of American football had been playing the EA Sports Madden game on, <laughs> on my PlayStation against my younger brothers because you know it hadn't previously been televised that much in the um, you know on television in in UK until maybe recently the last couple of years so to get any in-depth knowledge of the game or any real understanding it was very very difficult um, so you know when, when I first you know kind of got this you know crash course and I started to to realize the sheer size of you know, the knowledge base you need to play this game, especially, you know, as you said, my position, tight end, the offense and the, and the, you know, the size of the playbook and, and all that type of stuff. You know, it's, it is a little bit mind-blowing, really. Um, I can't imagine there are any other sports that, are, that have this in-depth um, knowledge base, I think. In terms of signing with the Falcons, who have you had interactions with there? What have their feedback been to you from, do you have to go through, you know, have you been in for workouts with them? Have they come out to see you at any kind of training camp? How has that come together? So they kind of, uh, all my all the training that I've been doing was, was being filmed um, and it obviously been sent out to, to various teams that, that, you know, that I could have ended up at. Um, and I think the Falcons, I think they also have an interest in the possibility of, of the skill set of a, of a rugby player as well, being able to play the game. You know, I know they're, they're big into the, they often get rugby coaches in to teach their new to the tackling technique, which I think a lot of the teams are buying into in the NFL because of all the concussion scares and things. Um, so I think they are very interested as well to see how far can, you know, a rugby player like myself go in their sport. Um, and, you know, I've been you know, very, very well received by both the players, the coaches, because um, I think at the end of the day it's the type of sport where they don't really care how you get there as long as when you're there you know you're working hard and doing what you can for the team Have you managed to have, have, you, have you been out now to Flowery Branch have you been out in Atlanta have you started working with the team yet? Yeah so I've been I'm a, I've, I've been through a week of what we call OTAs which is uh, organised team activities is, is what it's classed as but it's pretty much just training um, so I've done my first, first week which I have to say has been the craziest Greatest week of my sporting life for sure. Um, you know, not knowing not knowing the play, but that well so far, and you know they've been really good with me. You know, they've they've even thrown me in some team team reps and stuff. So that's been that was wow. a very that was an eye opener because you know when I was out in Florida, I was maybe training with one or two other people. 
but to be on the line of scrimmage and then have the ball snap and have you know twenty twenty one of the guys flying around, you know, it was it was a, it was a hell of an experience, that's for sure. But um, it was very very exciting at the same time, um, and it's just kind of spurring me on to you know really get that playbook down. And so I can kind of contribute more, I think, in training. What's it like as well? I, I imagine going from being in that situation in Florida where you're working with other European guys. And I know you've got guys like OCU Minura with you there, two-time Super Bowl winner and, and guys who really know their stuff. But to go from that situation, suddenly you're thrown into OTAs. And uh, I can't say that I know who, uh, who's who been at OTAs this season for the Falcons. But yeah, this is a Super Bowl team. This is a team that has an MVP on it in Matt Ryan. It has Julio Jones. Many people think he'll go to the Hall of Fame. How much of a step up in the level was that going from what you'd seen to suddenly being involved in full-on training? Uh, yeah, it was it was absolute worlds apart. Um, you know, I, I can't. I'm not sure I'd really ever be able to describe it properly to people. You know, how what it was like getting out there with the helmet on and the with the pads and stuff, and and just lining up there on that line that's coming for the first time with you know with my offense against the live defense um, for someone who's never played the sport before. It only been only been practicing for you know for three months. Um, it was a hell of an experience, but you know that's why that's why I did this. I wanted to I wanted to be so far out of my comfort zone. Um, you know to say that you know I'm really really pushing myself. I'm trying to get the most out of this talent that I've you know that I've been blessed with, and it's those type of those type of moments when you realise um, you know this is what I'm doing it. And I think people uh, what people don't realise about the NFL is the way that it works with those 53-man rosters and the practice squad is often if you're on the practice squad, if you're in the kind of second tier, you, you end up on, on what's called scout teams. So you end up being the offence that the defence faces in practice to practice for the upcoming opposition. So, I mean, should you stick on the practice squad? Should you get in through this season and be in there? And I've just seen you on the depth chart on our lads, which is very, very cool. Uh, the website rlads.com that has all the depth charts which in itself is amazing with a number assigned and everything but it means that you will be going up against the top tier guys the guys who you know on that defense held the Patriots to three points for two and a half quarters at least during the Super Bowl so it sounds like an absolutely amazing experience and all the luck in the world to you Alex we're really pleased to see you out there and and representing how have how's the reaction been from the coaching staff from the players there to to this British guy coming out and really trying to impose himself on a squad yeah, it's been amazing. You know, I'd heard a lot of things about the NFL and, and the certain teams, you know, the ruthless nature of of the operation that is, you know, the, the NFL. But um, everyone has been so, so supportive. Um, you know, I've had a lot of positive feedback already from, you know, it's something as simple as them telling me that um, I'm a lot further along in my development than I thought I was going to be, uh, which is, you know, it's a great thing to hear from me so far. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, they've just been so helpful. And that's the coaches, that's the players, they're the tight ends of my position. Um, and I think, you know, because because I'm going to be there for a year, they don't see me as someone who's going to steal their place. Um, so that obviously gives them, you know, opens them up a little bit to me and lets them, you know, express themselves and anything they want to do to make me a better player. They're happy to do that. Uh, so I'm just trying to be a sponge at the minute, trying to soak up as much as I can because it's been a bit of a whirlwind. So I'm just trying to hold on to as much information as I can at the minute. Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off, taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park. It's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. 
Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sportrelief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. Chris Harris Jr. and Alex Gray. Ollie Hunter, you need to get off. So any final thoughts, buddy? Um, No, I'm all good, man. Great. We've got to go. Top stuff. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Oh, good, mate, that was the worst. That's the worst thing you've ever done. What? You literally, your job is literally to make sure that things sound good, and you just threw it out on the floor. Right, just me now. Uh, it was your one that was so echoey. No wonder. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. As always, get in touch with us at Gridiron on Twitter. Give us a rating and a review. iTunes. Uh, find us by Gridiron Show and on Podcast Addict and on everything else where we're there. A couple of Twitter questions coming in. Neil Dutton wants to know what our best proclaim. Well, the better proclaimer song is 500 Miles or Letter from America. No, no, no. no. It's, um, it's uh, Sunshine on Leith. Well, Josh Hunter replied saying, trick question, correct answer, Sunshine on Leith. Go on to... No, Ollie, you need to go. No, 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 go to work. Go, go to, go, go on to um, Hibs singing "Sunshine on Leith" at the Scottish Cup final. Please, it, it's it's unbelievable. It almost brought me to tears. I'm going to finish the show on that. Sunshine on Leith, everybody. This has been the Gridiron Show. <laughs>